Hey, grown-ups, warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Factor has a menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Head to factormeals.com slash tales50. That's T-A-L-E-S 5-0. And use code tales50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code tales50 at factormeals.com. Dot com slash tales 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey grown-ups, I have something exciting to share with you. There's a brand new kids podcast out now that I think you're going to love. It's called Mysteries About True Histories. This show is perfect if you love adventures, solving riddles, and maybe even some wacky math problems. But I need a little help from some new friends to tell you more. Max and Molly, take it away. From the creators of Who Smarted, Starglow Media comes a brand new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories. Uh, does that sound serious enough? Uh, Max, we only have 30 seconds for this promo. Just tell them how your mysterious aunt recruited us into a secret order of problem solvers who travel time and have epic adventures. I don't have to. You just did. Catch new episodes of Mysteries About True Histories every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Tailblazers. I'm Rebecca Cunningham, and this is Girl Tales, a kid's podcast of feminist stories for a new generation. Before we get started, I want to send a couple of special shout-outs to Beatrice Favicchio, Esme and George, Akeen Medine Glenn, Sybil, and Cece and Vivian. Thank you all so, so much for listening to Girl Tales. Grown Ups Girl Tales is brought to you by families like yours. If you would like to hear your child's name at the top of our next episode, head to patreon.com slash girltales and donate today. Now on to our episode. This is the San Solo Sisters. Enjoy! I'd like to tell you about a friend of mine. But first, we'll travel all the way back to 1942, to a neighborhood in New York City called the Lower East Side. At 86 Stanton Street, all the way up on the roof, is a little wooden chair. And in that chair sits a seven-year-old girl named Gloria Sansolo. Gloria's Papu, that's what she calls her dad, built this chair for her right before he left to fight in a war over in Europe. Europe is a whole oceans away from New York City. Gloria got to see the ocean one time when her mama took her and her sisters to Coney Island. The Atlantic Ocean seemed to go on for forever. It made her feel kind of... small. Gloria imagined Papu standing on the other side of the ocean. 
but he was so tall there was no way he felt as small as she did. One of Gloria's favorite things to do with Papu was sit on his shoulders. Because from Papu's shoulders, she could see all of Stanton Street. But because she couldn't do that, the chair on the roof of 86 Stanton would have to do. It is in this chair that Gloria surveys, or watches, or tracks all of the goings-on of Stanton Street and writes them down on whatever scraps of paper she manages to find. This is something that reporters do, Gloria has been told. Reporters are people that write for newspapers, and that's exactly what Gloria wants to do. She is currently working on publishing her own newspaper called the Stanton Street Surveyor. Her sister Luna said there's a machine at her school that can make copies of the pages Gloria writes. And if she can save up enough money and get a really good story together, she'll be able to deliver a newspaper to everyone on her street. Before she does all of that, she must write. And before she writes, she needs to survey. Shall we take a look at what Gloria sees? On the corner are her cousins, Michael and Marvin, arguing over the rules of stoop ball. Hey, what are you talking about with this stoop ball? What do you mean? I don't even You're know not what even you anywhere near the stoop ball. Michael has large, dark, serious eyebrows that jump up and down his forehead each time he yells at Marvin for being too close to the stoop before he catches the ball. Gloria has always been fascinated by those eyebrows. So... She writes about them on her paper. One of Gloria's classmates, Donna Abulafia, skips right through the middle of their argument and into the candy shop that Gloria's mama runs. Donna's nice and all, but she somehow always seems to have extra nickels. Gloria suspects Donna might be taking the coins from her mother's purse, but has never been able to catch her in the act. Gloria never has a lot of change herself, and when she does have change, she saves it to make copies of what will one day be her newspaper. Today, it looks like Donna's buying a pretzel stick dipped inside a malted. (laughs) This isn't all that interesting, but Gloria writes about it all the same. Oh, and look, there's the butcher, Louis Israel, following Gloria's sister Luna home. Gloria can hear them talking as they get closer to her building. Let's hear what they have to say. Why won't you marry me, Luna? I could give you a good life! Louie yells out at her. I love you dearly, Louie, but I don't need you to give me any kind of life. I'm not the marriage sort. Luna yells back as she makes her way up the stairs and into 86 Stanton. Gloria is writing down every word she hears, even though this conversation happens often. Louis proposes. Luna refuses. Louis proposes. Luna refuses. Louis proposes. Luna. You get the picture. Gloria feels bad for Louis Israel. He really is a sweetheart and and always gives Mama the best kosher meat New York City has to offer. But like Luna said... She's just not the marrying type. Luna goes to a women's college called Hunter, where she studies English. On weekends, she cleans fancy apartments to pay for school. Luna has plans of being a playwright, and Gloria thinks that's fantastic. Their mama would much rather Luna marry Louis the Butcher. 
Gloria actually has three sisters. Luna, you've met her, Ested, and Molly. Ested is what some might call a good girl, whatever that means. She'll graduate high school soon and has plans to marry Victor Calderon and move to New Jersey like lots of the other girls. Gloria thinks that's all well and good, but she gets the feeling that life isn't as fun when you just do what all the other girls do. But she loves Ested, and Ested says getting married will make her happy. Mama thinks this is a wonderful idea. Then there is Molly. Molly is quiet, but when she has something to say, it is so well thought out. Gloria thinks Molly can solve just about any problem there is because of her ability to listen. Molly also loves to play piano and sneaks away to the Henry Street Music School whenever their Uncle Avram is working. She plays the piano while Uncle Avram mops all of the floors. Luna, Ested, and Molly are all much older than Gloria. They do a lot of things together, while Gloria watches, since she isn't old enough. When she's not playing with the other kids on Stanton Street or writing for her newspaper, Gloria can feel kind of... Lonely. But not tonight. Tonight is going to be a big night for news, because tonight is the big dance at the Sephardic Community Center. Can you imagine what happens at big dances? There will be so much to write about for the Stanton Street Surveyor. All of her sisters are going, and Gloria will join them. Michael. Oh, it's around the time when mothers start calling their kids home for dinner. Donna, get, get home, get home. And it looks like Mama is closing up the candy shop. Judy, it's getting dark. Come in for dinner. She folds her papers into her pocket and heads downstairs. After helping make soup in Mama's big blue pot, Gloria and her sisters eat and wash the dishes together. The older girls rush off to the bedroom they all share while Gloria makes a beeline for her parents' room. Gloria is determined to look like a reporter tonight, and in every picture she's seen of one, they wear a tie, suspenders, and a three-piece suit. So she goes into her father's wardrobe and changes into his best, and only, suit. She hopes he won't mind. She's going to take very special care of it. Once she gets into the suit, she realizes how ginormous it is on her. He is very tall, and she is only seven after all. She wraps Papu's belt around her waist and rolls up the pant legs and sleeves as much as she can. And for the cherry on top, she grabs her father's fedora and places it on top of her head. It all smells just like him and makes her miss Papu. She takes a deep breath and glances at herself in the mirror. She doesn't exactly look like a reporter, but this will have to do. With a pencil and paper in her pocket, she makes her way to the living room. When she gets there, Luna, Molly, and Ested are all in their best dresses, looking very excited. Ested is giddy about dancing with Victor. Molly is looking forward to playing the piano at the dance, and while Luna would much rather be reading a book, she's in charge of looking out for her sisters for the evening. As Estad is about to tell a joke, they catch a glimpse of Gloria in her reporter suit, and they all begin to laugh. <laughs>
Hey, what's the big idea? Gloria yells at them. Oh, Gloria, sweetheart, what are you doing in Papu's suit? Luna asks her. I am going to write an article about tonight's big dance, and this suit is the sort of thing all reporters wear. I'll have you know, Gloria tells her sisters. But, Glo, how will you write about the dance if you're all the way here on Stanton Street? Estet asks her. Well, I'm coming with you, of course, Gloria declares. Oh, doll, you're just too young to come to the dance. You have to stay home and keep Mama company, Molly says to her. Gloria feels a sadness that starts all the way at the bottom of her toes and rises right up to her cheeks. You never let me do anything with the three of you. I've got a newspaper to write. If I don't go to the dance, I'll have nothing to write about and no one will read the Stanton Street Surveyor. Gloria's eyes betray her and drop big, giant tears. The ones you want to hide from your older sisters so they stop thinking you're just a baby and will let you go to the dance with them. Luna, Molly, and Estead all kneel down next to Gloria to console her, but... She's embarrassed and angry and frustrated and feeling every single feeling a seven-year-old who is too small for her Papu's reporter suit could ever have. So she stomps away from her sisters and locks herself in her bedroom. While she lays in bed, she hears her sisters leave for the dance. After Mama tries to get Gloria out of the bedroom with no success, she heads to her own bedroom after a long day at the candy shop. Gloria changes out of her papu suit and into her nightgown. She stares up at the ceiling when an idea comes to her. If her sisters can take away her newspaper, she can take away their favorite things, too. Gloria gets out of bed and starts to rummage through her sister's things. Even though she knows that this is not a very nice thing to do, she is just so angry. She grabs three items she knows are very important to them. Molly's sheet music, Estead's only picture of Victor Calderon, and Luna's play that she's been writing for over a year. Now, where to hide them? Gloria remembers Mama's big blue pot and tiptoes into the kitchen so her mother won't wake. She quietly places her sister's precious items inside the pot and closes the lid over them. That'll show them, Gloria whispers to herself. Gloria sneaks back off to bed and does her best to stay awake until her sisters come home. She almost drifts into a dream when she feels a kiss on her head, and then another, and another. One from each of her sisters. This is something they usually do before they go to sleep, and Gloria is already in bed. It's enough to almost make her feel bad about what she did, but her exhaustion takes over, and she falls right to sleep. The next morning, Gloria is woken by Mama and her sisters rattling around in the kitchen, (laughs) laughing. (laughs) Stead was telling Mama everything that happened at the dance the night before, and Luna was boasting about how wonderful Molly's piano playing was. Every single soul got up to dance the moment Molly started to play, Mama, 
Luna cried out. Then there was a sound that Gloria heard a million times, one that she could not mistake for anything else. The sound of someone placing Mama's big blue pot on the stove. Mama was about to cook breakfast, and her sister's precious items would be destroyed forever. Gloria leaped right out of the sheets and into the kitchen and yelled, Stop! They all froze and looked right at Gloria. Gloria didn't know what to do, and she could feel all those feelings rising up in her again. But but this time, she took a deep breath and faced her fears. She walked over to Mama's pot, lifted the lid, closed her eyes, and reached in. But she didn't feel anything. She opened her eyes. The picture of Victor, the sheet music, the play, it was all gone. She looked back at her sisters who had all begun to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what's the big idea? Gloria said to her sisters. Glow, did you hide our things in Mama's big blue pot? Luna asked her. I, I... She tried to get the words out, but couldn't. Dollface, we found everything in there last night when we came home and wanted to cook something up. There wasn't a whole lot of food at the dance, Estead told her. Gloria looked up at her three big sisters and said, I'm so sorry, Luna. I'm so sorry, Estead. I'm so sorry, Molly. I was just so mad at you for leaving me all alone again and for taking away my one big shot as a reporter. I'm sorry. I know I could have ruined your most precious items. It won't ever happen again. I promise. Gloria didn't know how they would react, but when she looked into their eyes, not a single one of them looked angry. Instead, they all knelt down to give her a great big hug. Gloria felt good. We understand why you'd be mad, Gloria. We felt awful about you being too young to come to the dance. That is why we decided to write everything down that happened last night. Well, it was Molly's idea, really. Here are all of our notes, Estead said to her as she handed Gloria a bunch of papers with little scribbles on them. That way, you can read these notes and write your article based on them. And any questions you might have, we can answer for you, Molly told her. This was the nicest thing that anyone has ever done for Gloria. She could not believe it. She didn't even have words, which was unusual for her. So she reached out for a big hug once again. She wrote her first article and put together her first issue of the Stanton Street Surveyor. Luna even helped her pay for the copies using her money from cleaning fancy apartments. The paper was a big hit on Stanton Street. It was so popular, she had a new paper printed every month. Eventually, Papu came back home from the war. Having him home made Gloria and her sisters so happy. Eventually, Gloria grew up and left Stanton Street, 
for new adventures. She went to college, just like her big sister Luna, and was one of the only women in her school to get a degree in journalism. And she learned she didn't have to wear a suit to be a reporter. After college, she moved to a small but magical town somewhere in the mountains, where she decided she'd be okay being the marrying type, even if Luna wasn't. She had her own family and became the editor-in-chief of its newspaper, The Freshwater Times. I found all of the old copies of the Stanton Street Surveyor under her bed a few weeks ago, when I went over for a visit. You know, it is such an honor to have Gloria Sansolo, Stanton Street's one and only surveyor, as my grandmother. That was the Sansolo Sisters, written, performed, and executive produced by me, Rebecca Cunningham. Produced by Chad Shanai. Original theme music by Eli Denby Wood and Amy Geisbers Van Wyke. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you love this story, share it with a friend. Oh, and remember, I believe in you. You know, we usually end uh, our episodes with the song Being a Princess, but today we are going to leave you with a few of our favorite lines from the poem The Hill We Climb by Amanda Gorman. Amanda Gorman is the United States' first National Youth Poet Laureate and the youngest poet to read at a presidential inauguration. You may have seen her, and you may have heard this poem, but we figure you can't listen to it too many times. When day comes, we step out of the shade, aflame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it.